Hi, I'm Shaylee Shibaxi Ritchie. And I'm her co-host and sister, Kosha Baxi Karstens. Spoiler alert, we are sisters. And best friends. We grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were certainly loved. We had lots of friends, but we never felt like we really fit in. We started to realize that there were a lot of people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was the seed for this podcast. Then, during the 2020 election cycle, we watched now Vice President Kamala Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence. We saw what a badass she was, and we got inspired. We wanted to hear, share, and amplify the voices of everyone who has felt other. We wanted to give everyone a platform, regardless of who they are, who they love, or where they're from, to reclaim their power and their place, to stand up and say, I am speaking. Welcome, listeners. We are really, really excited about this week's guest. It was so cool to talk to her and to hear about her training and her work. So we talked to Anu, who is not my daughter. She, there are other people named Anu out there. She is a police officer or a deputy with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office in California. And oh my gosh, this woman's story and the way she talked about, like, for example, her training, the way she talked about her job, she currently works in um, the jail. And I was like, my adrenaline was getting up listening to some of the things that she's been through, the, some of the things she deals with on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, Shailsha, you've said this a couple of times, and I really noticed it here. What I thought I was going to hear, I absolutely did not hear. What about you? Yeah, ag- agreed. I thought, you know, I had sort of expected some sort of like paralleling some of experiences women in the military. And you, I didn't hear any of that. I didn't hear any of the resentment, any sexism, any, you know, misogyny. Some of the stuff she talked about surprised me that being a woman in the deputy or in the sheriff's office actually works to her advantage in some, in some mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was love. She was, she's so sweet. She's young. I, I told her, I'm like, I can't wait to see what she does. I, I absolutely agree with you, Kosha. One thing that I truly enjoyed about this conversation is that there are very few people we've talked to, especially in this season, where you're the person you're talking to, you're like, oh, this, you were meant to do this, right? Where that's like every single word that say every, it's like, the, you just know that it was like the match. Not to say that other people aren't like loving their jobs or whatever, but it's so, I don't think in any other conversation did that vibe come out so clearly. It was really amazing. Like, and I totally agree that she was made for this job. She went after it, even with challenges or resistance from other people. And, you know, I, I just see her going really, really far. And it was was really fantastic to listen to her. Um, So please enjoy Anu. She is speaking.
My name is Anmol Kaur and I am speaking. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Do you want us to call you Anmol or Anu or how should we call you? Um, I go by Anu, but that's just my full name is Anmol, so I don't like start off with that, but I like going by Anu. You do? Okay. It's going to be weird because my daughter's name is Anu, but I'm going to call you Anu. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we can manage, Kosha. I think so, too. So welcome. Uh, we're so excited to have you on. Um, today, we are going to be talking about your experiences. I'm excited, too. My first one. <laughs> Yay. Well, this let this be the start of a long uh, career in public speaking and and PR and self-advocacy. Yeah. So our, our conversation today is really going to focus on your experiences as a police officer. Anmol is actually a person of color as well. So we've got a female police officer who is a person of color. We're talking about your experience, experiences about becoming a police officer and sort of, you know, what it was like for you at every step of the way. Tell us how you got even interested in being a police officer. Like, when was that? What made you think about like, oh, this might be something I'd be interested in doing? Mm -hmm. I feel like from like a very young age, I've always been like a proactive out there person. Like I've never seen myself like playing with makeup or like just being on my desk doing something I always want to like go out and like do stuff and all that and police officers sounded a great profession for me I'm like oh my god no one's in this like they're always out there doing stuff catching bad guys and their uniform looks so cool and I was like okay like I was always like one of those where like I want to try things that not a lot of people do especially my family so that's why I was like hey I'll give it a try like if not whatever like I'm so young like I'll do something else so that was like a start of like me just trying this out to see if it would work out so did you talk to your parents about this interest or were you like trying to figure stuff out on your own no so I talked to them early on I was in college I was like hey mom I think we were like in a car and I was like, I want to be a police officer or something. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And then my mom's like, okay, like, let's take you to a police station. I live in Pleasanton. So I went to Pleasanton police station and let's get you like some volunteer work to see if this is what you really want to do. So you don't waste your time. And then from there, the receptionist gave me like explore a pamphlet thing. No, before that, sorry. I went to explore academy, like a teen academy from that, after that, I signed up to become Explorer um, for Pleasanton. Now, is this, so the Explorer program, I think it sounds like, like an ROTC, right? Like where it's, it's a pre-academy type of getting the youth interested in, in some experience. Is it, is that like a national program or is the Explorer program like just by, like just in Pleasanton or just in California? What's the Explorer? I, I've never heard. Yeah, I believe it's national, but I don't think every city has it. I know like around here, most cities have it. It's just like a volunteer program for like teenagers, like in high school. I think it ranges from 14 through 18 years old to volunteer and like just learn some police training and like go on ride alongs and stuff to see if it's like something they want to do. So I believe it's national, but I don't think every city has it though. Okay. How old are you when you started that? 
I was around 16 years old. I'm sorry, the Explorer program 16 to 20 in my city. So it kind of varies around, but I know it ends at 20 years old. So I started, I started around 16. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit about what, like, what did you do in that program? I know you mentioned doing ride-alongs and other things, but like, what were some of the cool things that you did that you really remember? Like, oh, this is wonderful. Or like, or the things that were super boring where you're like, God, I hope I never have to do this as an officer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, first off, like every other Thursday, so two Thursdays a month, we would meet at like a police briefing room or something at the police station. It was like about 20 of us explorers. And we would do like two hour training on like different topics. Like the advisors would set up like maybe a traffic stop one day, maybe a domestic violence call a different day. And like we would study the codes. So we would do some proactive stuff like scenarios and then in class stuff some other days. And then we would volunteer at like city events, like any holiday parade or like coffee with the cop. And over summer, we did like explore competitions where different cities explorers came together and we competed. And then we did ride alongs and stuff. So it was just like a light little eye opener for us to see what a really, what it's like being a really a police officer is. You win. Did your team win? When you did the competitions, did your uh, Explorer team win? We did. So there's like about yes. like 25, <laughs> 25 to 30 different scenarios. So like each team like wins like couple and then like you lose some. So if, I think it goes like first, second, third place. I remember, I think we got like third place in traffic stop with me and my partner. We did like a little made up traffic stop and we got great on it. We got third place, which is like a big deal. It was like my first scenario we won. So I still have my little uh, medal from that. Jill, she's cool. very competitive. So she's I like am. living vicarious people- through, through your victories. I want people to win. What was the diversity like in that program as a 16 year old? First of all, how diverse is your town? I don't know Pleasanton. Should you Pleasanton, know Pleasanton? I do know Pleasanton. Pleasanton is, it's, I think it's pretty diverse. There are a lot of um, Asian, Indian yeah, and sure. Asian people that live out there. And then it's also, it's out in the, in the Valley. I used to live in Richmond and that's, yeah. Um, so I'm familiar with that. I used to, and then I lived in Oakland and Berkeley for a while too. So I'm familiar with that whole area. And so it's, it's basically like a burb. It's a burb of San Francisco and people, you know, it's in the Valley though. So there's, there's a good pop, percentage of the population that's white. And then, but there's also a good number of East Indian, South Asians, and East Asians that live there because the schools are really good too. I know. That's why we moved out here too, my first year of high school, because the schools are really good out here. But lately, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, increase in Asians around here. We've been here for 10 years. It's definitely increased like the Asian population in this town or like around this town, Bay Area. Where did you move from? You said you moved there in high school. Where did you move from? Where did you live before there? So I was initially born in India. I came here when I was nine, nine years old. And when I was nine, we moved out to Manteca, which is like in Central Valley. And when I was like 14, we moved out to Pleasanton for like better schools and all that because of all that. Um, okay, so we were gonna say the diversity at, during your Explorers program. Yeah. Um, I, as far as I remember, it's from like six, seven years now. I think it was mainly like white and I think there was one other Indian guy, I want to say, but then I was like, there was 60, 70% whites and then maybe one or two Hispanics and, uh, not many Indians. I know for sure. Maybe like one Indian guy. That's all I remember. 
Yeah. And then how about girls? How many girls were in the program? I think when I started, there was like two or three of us. But during the program there, we got a few more girls. Like I think we got up to like six or seven girls. But like people keep coming and leaving the program. So it wasn't like very consistent. Oh, okay. That would make sense because people are, it's a program for people to try stuff on, right? Like, oh, would I, am I interested in this? Probably some people would be like, oh, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to do this. I want to do something similar or no, this isn't for me. Did any, was there anyone that kind of stayed with it besides any women besides you that kind of stayed with it while you were there? Like, no, as far as I remember, I'm the only female that Mm -hmm. have stayed with the program. There's two other guys, but I'm the only female that stayed with the program. Yeah. And what was that experience like for you in terms of being one of fewer women, young women, but also the only woman that really stuck through the program from the time you started to the time it was, you know, you were done. Did you feel nervous going into it at first? I did. Like, like I said, this career is mainly male dominated. So just being there looking around and seeing like one or two females, I'm like, uh, do I really want to do this? Like, I don't really know anyone. And the females were cool, but there wasn't that many females. And sometimes they wouldn't show up. There's times when I was the only female. And, but my male partners were all great. Like I get along with them really well. And my advisors were great. I, we had like a female lieutenant who was in charge of like the program. And I always really looked up to her. I still tell her to this day, I'm like, I always looked up to you because you were a female and you were a lieutenant. I'm like, wow, like this is something like I want to achieve, like become a lieutenant. So like, I always tell her that to this day, I'm like, I really look up to you, like you being out there as a female. So I think that was like my another inspiration to just keep going. I'm like, hey, if she can achieve this, I can do this too. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm the only female or not, as long as like, I'm doing the right thing. So it was kind of intimidating at first, but I made a really good bond with my male partners. I still talk to them to this day. And one of them went to the academy with me. So we went to the academy together, but he works for a different agency. So I built a really good bond with a couple of my male partners there. So in the beginning, it was kind of intimidating, but once you get to know like your partners and stuff, it wasn't bad. Awesome. Tell us a little bit more about this, uh, this female lieutenant that you, you know, looked up to and, and talked about an inspiration. Was she a mentor to you? Was she more of a, you know, did she take you under her wing? Um, was it, was she someone you could talk to? Was it more like, look, if she could do it, I can do it. No, she was really great. I talked to her a lot of times whenever, like I had a problem, I'm like, Hey, like, should I do this? She gave me her personal number. So she, I think she was the first female to be on a SWAT team for Pleasanton. She was a lieutenant and she's done a lot of stuff like in her career. So, and she was very approachable. She gave me her personal number. I knew her son, her son was in the Explore program with me and uh, she just helped me out along the way. Like whenever I was like in a dilemma, like, should I do this or that? Like she was always there for me. She spent time talking to me on the phone, meeting with me in person. So she's always been great. I'm like, I've even told her, I'm like, I really look up to you and she's great. That's really cool. I think that's one of the things that we're finding in for everyone is that to have, you know, to have somebody that looks like you in some way in a field where no one really looks like you. Yeah. It's just, just having that person to be like, no, you're not crazy. This is how it was for me too. Or it's possible, try, yeah. try it this way or, it's you poss- know, and, or it's possible, right? Like it's, you know, that we have based our, um, the name of our podcast and a lot of the 
podcast ideas came from you know Kamala Harris as she ran for, as she was on the ticket with Joe Biden but she said you know my mom always said you know if you're going to be the first just make sure you're not the last and so I think that it what you're describing with your mentor is exactly that is she saw something I mean I'm guessing I don't know her yeah but she saw something in you that was like I have to make sure that this person understands that as Sheila she said like it, you're not going crazy. This is hard. There are difficulties being one of a few, right? Like mm -hmm. being one of the only girls that is difficult. I think about, um, you know, like, where are you going to change your clothes? Like your, your, yeah. you know, locker room. And there are these nuances that an all male squad is just not going to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I still talk to her to this day. And she's told me stories about like, cause she was, we have a similar story. She also started off as explorer. I don't remember what city she said. So I'm like, hey, she became an explorer. She went through this. I can do this too. So I just kind of look up to her as, as like a mentor. She's great. Is she much older than you? Yeah, her. She has a son that's my age and I All know right. him really well too. He was in the program with me too. Right now he's in college. So I kind of know her pretty well. And I know her husband too. And he's a cop uh, in Pleasanton too. He's oh, wow. a sergeant. Wow. Wow. So- I'm really curious because you talked about a lot of different things that you did during the Explorer program. What was your, what was the funnest thing? Was it like the SWAT team stuff? Yeah, or she, was she, it... she won her competitions, okay? Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> but there's yeah. like a bunch of other stuff, right? So like, is it the, was it the community outreach public relations work that you did? Was it, you know, the traffic work? I don't know, like some people like What that. hooked I, you? Yeah, what hooked yeah. you? Ride-alongs are always great for me. I always looked into going on ride-alongs because it's just talking to different officers, getting their perspective, and then just going out and like seeing what they actually do, like firsthand, like being in them with in the car, and just because sometimes they would let you out in the car depending on like how risky it is outside. If not, like you just sit in the car. So it was just great being out there, hands-on, just like seeing different things. But you get exposed to a lot of things out in the streets. So I really liked ride alongs. My other favorite thing was like going to the Explorer Academy when I was, uh, I think it was my senior in high school, which was like a great eye opener for me that kind of established like, yes, I want to do this. Because in the Academy, you learned a lot and like you just learned a lot of discipline, teamwork and all that, which is what I've always wanted to do is like that teamwork and working together, accomplishing goals. Is that a summer program? Yeah, so that was a two-week academy. It was like a basic small academy for us just to like get an eye-opener of what it really is like going to the real academy. Like we would get yelled at every morning for like not polishing our boots or like some people would use like sprays to spray their boots and they would get caught so they would get in trouble. I remember my partner, his boot got thrown across the fence because it wasn't polished. So just seeing like crazy stuff like that. One time they tied all our bags together after lunch and we were like running to get our bag. They're all tied together. So we had to hurry up, untie them, get in line. So just like stuff like that. I don't know why I'm weird. It like excites me just doing stuff like that. I was like, oh, like I can totally see myself doing this. Well, well, the thing is like, I wouldn't necessarily want to be in the situation where I was like, oh, I didn't ask for this, right? Um, where it sounds like for you, you were like, you got a charge out of that experience of being like, oh my God, we got to do this right away. Oh my God, we got to yeah. do this. Like, oh, I got to get this done right. I got to get this done right. Um, it sounds like that academy was like, 
you know, not the full cadet academy, but like it was like just enough of a taste to be like, if you don't like this, you're not going to be a police officer. Well, in like two weeks, if you're miserable, if you're miserable, you can still get away with two weeks and be miserable for two weeks. But also if you're leaving and you're like, oh, that wasn't long enough, then, you know, yeah. like you have to go back. For sure. Because like at the end goal, like you graduate, you get a certificate and they explain the reasoning behind what they do, like why they yell at us, why they expect what they expect from us. Like it makes sense. They're not just yelling at us, just to yell at us. Like there's a purpose behind everything they do, which is like, oh, I get it now. Why I was so flustered all over the place the first week. But then by the couple of days, you get a hold of it. Like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. Like if we had one mistake on our homework, they would make us redo it all the next day. You had you basically have to tie not you can't type anything so you have to handwrite everything all your homework again because you made one mistake so you'll just think like things like that like you learn why you're doing all this like polishing boots it just makes you look professional which will make people listen to you if you look like a bag of trash no one's going to pay attention so it's just like reasoning behind it they're just not doing it and like pt to get us fit which is a major part of this career is pt is physical training physical training yeah Yes. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I totally understand where you're coming from on that. And I can also imagine that um, if you're miserable after two weeks, you're not cut out to become a police officer because you're not going to be able to make it through the actual police officer Academy. Whereas like, if you're like, huh, I'm getting the hang of this. You're like, this might be for me. So that was, that was like, I'm guessing junior and senior year of college or high school and then your first years of college yes did you think about uh, like skipping isn't the right word but do you think about like not going to college and going straight to the academy honestly I did mm -hmm. so Pleasanton offered me that they're like hey we're hiring right now you're about to be 21 like we will take you like you're great and they offered it to me and I thought about it, honestly, I almost didn't went to college, but I, but then I talked to my mentor, the female lieutenant I told, uh, told you about, I was like, should I do this? Like, it's great. They're offering it to me right now. What if later on, like, they don't have anything available, then I'm going to like totally regret it. But on my parents from uh, day one, they're like, just go to college, like me being Indian, obviously, like all Indian parents want their kids to go to college. It's like the main thing. So my yeah. parents like, no, go to college first, like finish your college and then you can do this. Like it's always going to be here. But I was just so stuck in my mind. Like, this is all I want to do. But then I talked to that female lieutenant. I'm like, what do you think? Like, should I do this? She's like, you should. But looking back at it, just go to college. That's one thing she's like, I will always tell you to do is get your education. This will always be here for you. So I was kind of sad at first. I'm like, damn, I could have been a police officer by now but I went to college, which wasn't a bad choice looking back at it now. But at that time, that's all I wanted to do. But long-term I was like, okay, good thing. I listened to my parents and her it made sense. Right. Well, I think the other, you know, the other thing that often comes up is like immigrant parents, particularly like we moved here to give you a better life. I know. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, I'm not saying it isn't hard for, it wasn't hard for any immigrant or set of immigrant parents to come over. I mean, it's challenging, sure. But this whole, like, we moved here to give you a better life and getting a college education is part of that. Yeah. Did your parents think you might be like, once you went into college, you might be like, oh, I'll do that. No, I don't want to be a police officer. I'll do this thing instead. This is more interesting for me. 
No, for sure. They did. They're like, okay, you're going into business. You're doing accounting. Maybe one day you'll be do CPA or accountant. That's what they were like leaning towards. Like you'll have like office job, like most Indians do, like most of like our family friends do. So they were leaning towards that, but I really respect my parents for not forcing me to do anything that I didn't want to do. They're just like, as long as you have like a respectful career, which you enjoy, they're fine with it. So that was just their major thing. But I think in the back of their mind, they're always like, okay, maybe she'll change her mind now. She'll change her mind now. Well, yeah, this whole like, it could be so much, you could just sit at a desk and do something all day instead of being out there. And, you know, and I think there's also a bit of like, well, the, the academy is going to be hard. It's going to be demanding on you, you know, like physically demanding. And then you're putting yourself in danger, um, you know, in harm's way. And so I think there's a bit of like, are you going to come around and see the way we see it? Which is like, just do yeah. this thing that's easy for you. Easy, quote unquote, easy, easy right. for you. Yeah. But, you know, you were saying earlier when we talked that like you couldn't imagine yourself at a desk job, like, Talk a little bit more about like what what was his draw for becoming a police officer? Not just like, oh, it was cool to see this stuff, but like what are the what did you really like gravitate to? Uh, like I said, like the teamwork and just being out there doing like actual stuff, you see results, like helping people, like, oh, today I helped this lady without me, like this could have gone wrong. So just like knowing that you make a big impact in your community and it was just great. Like even now, like you're really enjoying my job. Like I tell my mom all the time, she's like, you're crazy. But it's just knowing that you're making an impact on your community one day, like people will thank you for what you do. Like it's not like all I look forward to is people thank me, but just knowing me in the back of my head that I'm doing, a, helping people out, which like is great. Like people who need help, I'm there for them. So just knowing that part, like even as an explorer, I volunteered to help out, help clean this lady's house because she couldn't get out of her bed and it was a mess. So me, this me, this other explorer and an officer, we all volunteered to clean up her house, which I felt great afterwards. I don't know if she like realized it or not. She was super old, but I just felt great knowing that I helped someone who couldn't help themselves. Just that feeling was great. I was like, this is, there's nothing wrong with it. Like I couldn't see anything better than doing this job. That's, that is so cool. I'd love to hear that. Like, because I can, I can feel the energy like coming you know, like coming off you even across the zoom screen. Um, and I can totally see why if, you know, if that's the thing that lights your fire about your job, a desk job would never, ever make you happy. Right. Because it's so far removed. So my, my husband is, um, a VP of finance. And so like he works for a big corporation, he likes his job. Right. But there's a big, there's a big piece of like, he's not he's so far removed from the people stuff. And so I can see why you'd be like, this is, it would be soul crushing if what you really want to do is have that contact with people and, and see the results of what you did, even if other people are not, you know, giving you all the kudos. Yeah. Even just like taking online classes, I'm like, I cannot focus right now. Like I need to be in person, like listen to the teacher, have students around me, talk to me, like, just taking a few online classes was not out for me. I was like, this is not it. Like, I don't know how people do this every day. Yeah, I can imagine. So then you go through college and we're just going to gloss over that because it's, you finish your degree in accounting and, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And then because well, that's not like, here, mom. Like, you, like give your degree to your mom. Like here, and, now I'm gonna go do this thing. Now I can do what I want to do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then so then you're like, okay, I'm done with that. And I checked a box. You asked me to go to college and get a degree in something that could be, you know, I could make a living in if I absolutely had to. Check a box. Move on. Right. Yeah. And then immediately you're like, I'm going to the police academy. Is that what happened? Um, no. So while I was in college, I aged, I aged out of the Explorer program because it's only till 20, I believe 20 years old. So after that, I'm like, oh, I got to find something else before I become a, before I go to the academy, which was like, I think I was going to be a junior in college. So I had two more years. So for two years, a position opened up with the Alameda County Sheriff's Office as a cadet. So as a cadet, it's like an internship program where you, where you get paid part-time to work. Basically, we're like, shadowing deputies and just helping out with like daily daily tasks I very much I very much love that you're like as you're going to college you're like look mom I'm going to college and then you're like <laughs> I'm still gonna do this police work on the side yeah I know I never gave up I found something to do I love that. <laughs> no I, I and that I mean I tease and I joke about it but that's exactly what you're like I will do this and you never gave up on that dream of yours and you found ways to stay connected. I love that. That's, that's, that's really inspirational, actually. I feel like that's, which is what I really needed, because I didn't know anyone really in law enforcement to have a family, but I knew I had to build connections and get some experience. That's why I'm like, I got to continue on like meeting people or like, really knowing what this is about, because it's a big step going to the academy. And if I didn't like it, then I got to go back to accounting and that which is not what I really wanted to do. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, this better work. This better work. This better be right. Because I can, I, one, I do not want to do counting. And two, I'm not going to tell my mom that I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And all my family members that thought that I was already a cop. I was like, no, I'm not a cop yet. I'm only in college. Oh my God. That is hilarious. So you did that for two years. So that would have been your junior and senior in college. Yeah. And then, and then, then did you go straight into the the academy for like to actually train to become a police officer yeah so I graduated college in May 2020 I started the academy in July 2020 so I had a couple months break to like prepare myself and all and during that two months how much did your mom or your parents like first of all we're throwing your mom under the bus I don't know about (laughs) your dad but um how much did your parents like were they finally like okay this is what she's gonna do or were they like, oh, sending you accounting jobs and stuff? Um, they were happy that I was going to, the, I was going to start the academy because they can see it made me happy. They were supporting me, but I feel like they were still waiting. Like they're like, maybe she'll just won't like the academy. Maybe she'll drop out of the academy or something. But they were supporting me. It's not like they're like, oh, like we're not going to help you out in this. But they were supportive when they're back in their mind. I, I think they were still like, oh, maybe she'll back out now or something. So I think it was still in their mind. I was going to say six months in the police academy is very different than two weeks in the Explorer program, Explorer Academy over the summer, which is like, you know, in a way of like, okay, we'll see if she is going to go through with it all because this is pretty intense. Yeah. No, I was just, uh, we, we could stop talking about your parents, but it's like, (laughs) what did you ever ask them? Like, why are you so reluctant to let me do, or to, why do you think that I'm going to like, what do they have against it? Because I, I can see for myself, 
not knowing everything to me i'm like oh my god a cop has a gun and it sounds scary and there's going to be shooting like i can see going to the safety part of it but did you ever have that conversation with them which was like what is going on i did kind of i think for my mom it was kind of safety but my dad was proud of me they're like oh you're gonna have a gun like you're gonna be cool like i'm proud of you but i think it was just me being like the first person in my family to do this they don't they don't really know what to expect like how it works and stuff there wasn't anyone else they can like oh like look they did this it's not that bad so just me like being doing this was like uh what are you doing like they kind of didn't know what to expect that time so they were still getting used to like the idea of me being a cop like oh my god it's gonna be real now like she's not just joking yeah i get that so so talk about your time in the academy what was that like you know were there other women who were going through the training with you yeah, so in the academy, in the so I kind of cheated. I knew how the academy is like because I used to work at the training center as a cadet when I would see like the academies go by and like the fitness thing they would do and I would talk to training officers. So I kind of like knew what to expect, but obviously like I didn't know the ins and outs of it. So just like the first day I was like, well, I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to like mess up whatever I do, like just try not to smile or like because sometimes like they would say funny stuff. And some people would cry for me. It was just like, just hold it together. Like, this is just the beginning. Because they know everyone messes up. They'll find something to yell at you about to like weed out the people that are not fit for this. So like in the beginning, and we started off the academy with 18 girls, I want to say. And we ended with like eight, eight girls. Out of how many in your class? Like total, I think it was around 60 Oh, okay. Yeah. And we ended with 45 or something like around that. I don't remember exactly. First of all, I would like to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's not cheating. That's being prepared. Use your advantage. It's not cheating. I like how you're like, I cheated because I got a job and I worked and I watched and I studied and I was prepared. And you're like, I'm sorry, I cheated. Like, no, no, no. You didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I spent my own time doing this, so I technically yeah. prepared myself. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anu, you were saying that uh, people are like, you just know you're going to get yelled at, and they're always going to yell at you. And like, it was for some people, it was so overwhelming that they cried. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the first day they yelled at everyone. And like, I feel like me, there was me and like two other people that used to work there before as cadet and they had high expectations from us. Cause they're like, you kind of know what this is about. Like, and I was even more scared of messing up. I'm like, I know how they are. Like they're going to yell at me even more. And then we did a lot of PT the first couple of weeks just to like weed out the people who can't keep up, who like get scared of this. And like, you're not going to keep up with the training officers. They're obviously trained more than you. You just have to show that you're willing to keep going. You're not going to stop. That was your main thing is to see who will give up. As long as you kept going, you they see that you're trying, you were good. So it was a lot of PT, a lot of yelling, uniform inspections, shoe inspections, hair inspections, everything, which was not bad for me. Obviously, I wasn't perfect. I made mistakes, but as long as you kept going, like you were fine, just wanting to see that inside of you that you're not going to give up, which is a main thing in law enforcement is keep going. What what kinds of things were involved with PT? Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, did you have to run a bunch? Do you have to like deadlift stuff? Did you have to punch, like do boxing? Like, I'm just curious. <laughs> so we had two PT tests, uh, which we had to pass by end of the academy. And we did the test three times during the academy the first one was like the wall jump the dummy drag the sprint 
what else was in there? The fence jump, wall jump, and like a quick, like a little course like that. Like obstacle courses, like agility and things like that. Yeah, like the wall was like the scariest part for me in the beginning. But once I passed it once, I was like, okay, this is not that bad. Like I could do it. So which was not bad. So you could jump, jump off of a fake wall. Yeah, I was six feet, six feet tall. Okay, oh my so God. Do you know what is in my mind right now? I was like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because I've seen the movie Zootopia about a thousand times. <laughs> and have you seen that movie? No, I don't think so. No, I swear no. to God. Okay, you have to watch it. <laughs> you have to watch it. Okay. It's wild, so yeah, you do have to watch it because it's about a like bunny, a bunny who becomes a police officer, who becomes a cop, and people oh. are like, bunnies can't be cops, and then she becomes a cop, but she's <laughs> so she goes through like her academy work, and they didn't think she was going to be able to do it, and I'm like, you're you're like, okay, you have to sprint, and you have to do a wall jump, and you have to do an obstacle course, and I was like, oh yeah, because Judy Hopps, the bunny, does that in this movie. <laughs> That's oh. the reason I know what you're talking about. <laughs> nope, that was not that easy. <laughs> well, no, nobody, nobody animated it for you. Like, I know. Had to do it. Judy Hopps is a cartoon character. She didn't actually have to work that hard. And also, she did. She had to try a couple of times. You guys, she didn't do it on her first try. I didn't either. It took me a while to do it. <laughs> there you go. So that was that was one section of things. Did you have to like do a long run, like run five miles or something? Yeah. So our other course was called the Cooper's uh, assessment test, which was like a mile and a half run under 12 minutes, 40 push-ups in a minute, 40 sit-ups in a minute, uh, bench press about 80% of your weight. And what else? Uh, I think a 500 sprint. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, so that was another physical assessment test we had to do. Which I'm not going to brag, but I don't think PT was like the hardest part for me because I've always like prepared myself, even as a cadet, like I would work out there and just like my mindset, I always told myself to keep going, like you're going to get to the finish line. So I wouldn't say PT was the hardest part for me, but it was difficult. Like I would always think about it like the day before the day of like, cause we would do PT at end of the day. I was like, what are we going to do today? We're probably going to go run the hills and I hate running the hills. It's so hot outside. Like we would freak out just thinking about it would freak us out. Cause those training officers were fast. <laughs> they are fast. And you're right. Like I'm thinking like, so when people, well, people, most of our listeners probably don't know exactly what's happening with Alameda County, but it's big and it goes way inland. Yeah. So, so July, August, once you get over those hills, it is hot. I'm putting it together where I'm like, oh, that would have been so, it would have been miserable, right? And then you're probably having to do it not with like your tank top and your shorts, but you're having to do it in like, like gear. No, actually we did it in PT uniform. We had shorts and a shirt on for most of it. At least they didn't, they didn't make you suffer that much. Uh, a few times. So there's five times where we had to run with our uh, duty bag on or like with our boots on or like with heavy weights on. So that was like one, like few times we did that too. So that was miserable, but it just shot us teamwork because we would switch off on stuff like, Hey, let me carry the bag now. Hey, you carry this. We just like made it through as a team. And one time, one of our academy mates, he forgot his running shoes. So we all had to wear like our actual uh, big police boots and run in those. I'm like, great. So now we all had to run in our police boots. So it was just like stuff like that. But we got over it. <laughs> <laughs> or 45 out of the 60 of you got over it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
So PT wasn't the worst, but it also doesn't sound like it was the best. Like it was like, fine, I could do this, but it wasn't your favorite part of of the police academy. It wasn't. Was it, and you said it wasn't the hardest either. What was the hardest thing about being in the academy? Honestly, it was the scenarios at the end because the last month we have about 12 scenarios. We each have to go out and perform and we have evaluators evaluating us. And if we fail those, you basically fail out of the academy, which sucks because you're at the very end of the academy, like your fifth month in after going through the testing, the reins, the defensive tactics, you fail out now. It's like, oh my God, I got to start over this. So that was like, honestly, the hardest part because we had different scenarios like every day and we didn't know what scenario it was. So that I was like, I just want to get over today. I just want to get over today, like one day at a time. That sucked. (laughs) Yeah, that's like, you know, that's like studying and like doing all the work for five months and then being like, okay, here's your practical set of tests. But if you don't practice, if you don't fail, if you don't pass these, all of what you did in the last six months was for nothing and we lost like five or six people during the scenarios the last couple of weeks which was sad it's like you work with them you build your bonds and like you think we're all gonna make it and then they get let go you're like oh my god like this could be me tomorrow like you never knew wow yeah was it so these scenarios like i'm imagining that it was like the most real life it could possibly be yeah we had actual role players if someone is taken hostage, they're acting like a hostage. Not like I'm a hostage, but they're saying the things. <laughs> right. It would be like role players role playing it out like suspicious person or like a death investigation. And you have to like do all the steps. Like I'm gonna call my sergeant out and do this. And there's a role uh, evaluator evaluating you, which is like nerve-wracking. You're like, oh, am I doing this right? He's like writing down notes. You don't know if you passed or not until end of the day, you're all just sitting there stressing and you have to write a police report after each scenario, which was stressful. (laughs) So it's like daily, right? So they're like, it's like getting picked for the team every day. Yeah. Right. Like you, 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 not you, you guys go home at the end of every single day that you're doing these. Yeah. Well, cause so I, let me take a step back. So you get three remediations so we had total of three big tests during the academy and 12 scenarios, I want to say. And out of what, 15 or 16 of those, you can remediate three times. So after you remediate the first one, let's say you pass your remediation, you're good. But you only get three of those. On your fourth one, if you fail, you're done. And during the remediation, you're scared because you're like, if I don't pass this, I already failed the first one. Like, this is my only chance. Or you're already nervous. So you sure. get three of those. So that was kind of nice, but then still like the remediation just scares you. It's like, oh my scary. God, I already right. messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, it, it's a little bit like, you know, not to, being a, being a baseball player is nothing like being a police officer. You know, it's the only thing I can think of is like, look, you're at bat and this is a, you know, a, a clutch situation and you've only got three chances. Yeah. You know, and they're whatever, it's not a perfect analogy, but this idea of like, look, I could get three strikes and they'll be over and I will have not done anything. And that's really similar, right? Like yeah. I get three chances and I don't even want to use one of my chances because that means I only have two chances left. Right? I know you're like trying to <laughs> save it till the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was six months in the Academy and it sounds like it was challenging, but like, re- like you loved it. It sounds like you really loved it. 
I did like the team more, like I said, like the teamwork, you may like you meet people, you work together on the weekends, like we would study together, we would like role play scenarios, we would work out together. So it really creates a team bond, like you're not doing this by yourself, like it's just me against everyone, you're working together as a team, you want each other to pass. So we would like stay up afterwards, like doing scenarios or like just studying for the test, like shooting range and stuff. So it was the teamwork we did together. It also, you know, if I can venture to say, it also sounds like even though the academy, you know, the number, you know, the classmates that you had were heavily skewed toward men, there wasn't any sense of like, oh, you can't do this or you're a girl or why are you here? It was basically like, look, we're all in this together. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't think I had a single issue of like, a male telling me like oh like why are you here this is for males or like you can't do this I didn't have that issue but yeah sometimes like we had to prove ourselves or like we had to keep going the hill we can't just be like oh we're a female we're gonna take it easy we had the same standards as a male so I don't think there was an issue in my academy like oh female versus male type of thing but that was that you know you actually just touched on something I was gonna bring up was did you feel like you had to be that much better because the expectation was that like you know females can't run as hard or as long or like oh shit I cannot cry I cannot cry because like let the men cry right like during PT or when you're getting yelled at like holding it together because I'm a woman and I cannot cry that is true. I don't think I cried in front of anyone except the training officers one. Like I would hold it together. I'm like, just telling myself that, especially being around men. I'm like, no one's crying here. Like I can't cry. It's going to, it's just going to prove that I'm weak. Like I'm not weak. And there's times when like I've cried in my parking lot or like when I got home where like no one was there watching me. That's totally <laughs> but, different. That's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no one's here watching me anymore. I can cry now. So there's times I feel like everyone's probably cried once or twice to the academy, but in the academy, like most of us would hold it together. Like we're like, we can't cry. We can't be seen as weak. Like we're in this together. Like no one else is crying. Why am I weak? But there's times when you would go home and just like cry it out. Like I'm good. I'm ready for tomorrow. <laughs> well, I also imagine a lot of that is like, you know, part of being a police officer yeah, you can't let your emotions get in your way. What you project out into the world and like projecting a sense of safety and security and like, I got this. And like, if you were walking into a situation and whatever was happening was making you tear up, you're not creating a sense of, you're not creating confidence in the people who are like relying on you. They look up to you, yeah. It might though, it might help like de de-escalate situations you could just send me, I'll be the crier. You just send me and I'll start crying. <laughs> and it'll totally like, the, the guy who's holding the gun will be like, what the fuck? And I'll be like, I'm sorry, your mom didn't love you. And I just start crying or something. And then, and then the real cops could come in and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's time and place for everything. Like things have changed. Like I feel like lately that your husband, like we have to show some type of emotions in different situations. It just depends on situation. So I don't think like, I think it was like the past mentality, like you always have to be strong, macho, you can't like see anything nice. But lately, like we have been trying to like, hey, I can relate to you. Like we work, work through this. So there's been a lot of de-escalation that we work on nowadays. 
but obviously we can't we can't just start crying with them though <laughs> right oh, that's a total, that's yeah it's like one thing to be like yeah talking you know like not not barging in there like like i'm a tough guy or right. girl, girl or whatever but <laughs> person i'm a tough person um and i'm just gonna steamroll all over everyone but also i imagine that the other end of that which is like freaking out and crying also not <laughs> yeah like not a there's like a happy medium you gotta balance it out and yeah. i will say that's not just cops probably no <laughs> no occupation is good for someone to just walk in and start bawling and freaking out <laughs> yeah like librarians they shouldn't do that you right, know nobody like should do that. janitors shouldn't do that no one should do that right yeah absolutely um, so you graduated in six months, so that would have put you like basically right at the end of the year, December, uh, February, right? so July February. to February, 2021. Okay. And then did you just get a job right away? Did you go to Pleasanton? Where did you, where did you look and where did you end up getting a job? When I went to the academy, I got hired by ACS, uh, Alameda County Sheriff's Office. So they sponsored me to go to the academy. I was getting paid to go to the academy, which was nice. Um, so it was a tough decision deciding between Pleasanton and ACSO. I was like, Pleasanton's my home. I started with Pleasanton, but ACSO, I also worked with ACSO for the last two years. ACSO is short for Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Um, so it was a really tough decision. That's probably one of the toughest decisions I've made. I was like, they're both great departments. I really like everyone in both departments, but I feel like at the end of the day, I thought to myself I'm like hey there's no wrong decision I could always go back and forth like it's not like I'm set to stone so I chose ACSO because there was bigger agency there's a lot more I can do and me being so young like I was 22 at the time I'm like I don't think I would want to work patrol for like 30 40 years 30 years of my life so I feel like in ACSO at least I have more options I can go into like the courts the coroner's office or like the jail or the investigation scene, there's a lot of options. So I chose to go with ACSO. So they sponsored me throughout the academy. So I, right after the academy, I started my orientation in the jail. So it was like, you started the academy, but you were already basically an employee of the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. And then you, you know, once you finish that, it's like, okay, now here's your training to be, you know, for your, for your assignment. So yes. that's like that's like we're pay, we're paying you so that when you graduate you're going to work for us. Yes. So what was what was that like? Like so you went to work for the jail. Are you still there at the jail or have you moved on to a different assignment? I'm still at the jail. So typically we spend like 2 to 3 years in the jail depending on like your interests and like what else you want to do. So we all start off at the jail like no matter like if you lateral, you come from a different agency or you graduate that's like the one kind of good and a bad thing about Alameda County Sheriff's Office is you start off at the jail. Everyone starts off at the same level. Yeah, which wasn't too bad for me because me being so young, like 22, I felt like jail was a good opportunity for me to learn how to talk to people, just like see when they're lying to me or telling me the truth and just like getting more like people's exposure, like the inmates and stuff. So I don't think like jail is a bad start for me right now. I can imagine it's really good experience getting like the cop vibe, right? Because you're, you were so young and you were female. And so a lot of the people you're talking to, like the prisoners are, are older, they're male, they're maybe aggressive or, or gruff or, or rough. So like you had to kind of get your, 
get your uh see yeah your sea legs about you quickly yeah so I didn't mind working at Jill's so Jill's Jill's been a good experience for me there's been ups and downs like you definitely I feel like I've definitely even the people who've known me like two years ago they would say I've changed a lot just working at the Jill you learn to talk to people like different situations happen like you go up and down a lot or like you get into fights and stuff you learn how to write reports so there's a lot a lot of stuff you learn in the jail like so you I spend it yeah I mean not every day but like here and there <laughs> like with prisoners <laughs> yeah I, don't I mean there's I don't think you get things. into fights with prisoners I think you have to get in the middle of fights that oh, prisoners like, are, are you, having are you like so prisoners aren't like trying to punch you they're fighting and you have to separate them no i imagine that prisoners are are also trying to fight you but you're trying not to have a fight with them right oh no we, we <laughs> are not like, who's starting fighting fight. today no <laughs> the officers aren't picking fights with the inmates. oh no that's definitely not what we do <laughs> but yeah we do respond to like inmates fighting each other's or inmates assaulting deputies that happens too so just like different thing you never know where you're walking into like at starting a day like it could end bad or it could end good as long as you make it home safe like that's what matters okay 100 percent. i'm gonna say that i would be a very good daughter for your mom because i'd be like you're right mom i should not do this <laughs> i'm scared i don't want to do this anymore i'm gonna be an accountant <laughs> i mean do you get scared is that what does it feel like when you're like oh my god i'm gonna have to get in here and break this up or mm -hmm. someone's coming for me um honestly in the beginning like my first training phase I was like, holy cow, like, what did I get myself into? It's like hundreds of males, me and my training officer, like, they're all staring at me. But like, first couple of days are awkward, but my training officer was really nice. Like, he he's really, he was like, hey, like, let me know any questions you have. Like, he was like, easygoing. He wasn't like, just yelling at me, like, you don't get this, you don't get that. So that really helped. But I feel like they're, everyone's just judging you. Like, they're getting to know you. It's not like they're trying to scare you off or anything. They're just getting to know you. Like, oh, it's a female. Like, who is this? They're just getting to know you. So it was scary in the beginning. But I feel like once you, like, work there for a while, you get to talk to them. Most of them are just chilling. Like, they just want to get to know you. Like, who are you and stuff. So there's a few. Like, you just got to know, like, your crowd. Like, who you're working with. Like, who you need to watch out with. Obviously, like, you always got to be cautious. But, like, once you, like get a little familiar with they get comfortable it's fine like I don't think it's that bad but like as long as you talk to them respectfully they'll give you respect back for the most part obviously it's not always true but it's been good for me I so females usually work the female housing unit just because we're kind of short-staffed on females and females are crazy too like we got different classification inmates like we got the highest security the lowest security the behavior health inmates and stuff so it's been good you get to learn how to talk to different types of people too like the females can be a little manipulative like they'll like talk to you and then talk behind your back to different female and uh, deputies just to like kind of like stir shit up right like stir shit up yeah yeah so they go like deputy shopping and stuff so it's it's funny but like is once you like you once you like know your inmates like you're fine like you know when they're bullshitting or when they're like they actually need help so I like there's inmates who like fight each other and there's inmates who like try to assault you, but there's always partners with you. Like that's the good thing about like where I work. You're mostly not really alone. You at least have a, one partner with you. Or if you call out for help, just put out like a radio code, like it's 243 for us. You put that out, like officers come in like from everywhere to help you. Like you get like 
20 to 30 officers within minutes there. So it's a quick response. So you know you're never alone as long as like you're watching your back, you know where you are, your location, what you got, you put that out on the radio, like you're not alone. Like there's technicians watching you. There's like officers coming in to help you. You're usually not alone. So it's not that bad. As long as like you're doing the right thing, you're treating everyone fairly, like you'll be fine. And that, I mean, just the way you're describing it, it sounds like, you know, once there's like a, a base, there's just like respect given, like you made it through the academy and now you're here and, you know, you're, you're new, you're learning, but this, like, once you're here, this is, this is our team, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter where you're coming from, you know, whether you're a woman or a man or whatever your ethnic background is or your racial background or, or your education, this is our team. And we, like you said, we have to have each other's backs because against the people who would like to, you know, the people who don't have our backs basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, at the end of the day, we all want to go home safe. Like we don't want each other to get hurt or anything. Like we're always there. Like the sergeants always tell us to slow it down, take our time. Like time is on our side. They're in the jail. They're not going to go away. So CJ, you just learn a lot of like officer safety and like your location and stuff. And everyone's there to help you. Like there's no like, oh, I'm going to go help this person, not this person. Everyone responds to the call. Like the response is great. Just seeing that like we're here for each other. It's a great feeling. I can imagine. That seems like that seems to be this this through thread of something that really pulled you to this career and keeps you there is the idea of like family, right? Like yeah. it's it's the teamwork, it's the relying on each other, it's the fact that we will I want you to get home safe and you want me to get home safe. Um so you're just willing to do whatever it takes to to keep that team together and and thriving. It seems yeah. like that's really important to you. Yeah, for sure. We got each other's back. That's that's so cool. So where do you think you're going to go after this? Will you stay at the jail? Do you have your eye on something where you're like, ooh, in a year or two, I want to go and work work with like criminal investigations or I don't know. I don't, I, I, if I sound silly or dumb, it's no. because I have no idea. And because we're, we're taking all of the verbiage from, Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's how we know stuff. Well, I was like, I was gonna say, like, how does one become a detective? Because I know from Brooklyn Nine Nine that that is separate than patrol, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so after this, I hope to go out on patrol, which is like riding the car around and like being on the street. That's what I want to do next. Is like I already expressed my interest, so which usually takes like two to three years to get out on the street, because like in the jail, like they see like how hard you work your reports you take and like just like if you're fit for patrol and then like they'll call you out you go into a different program which is a field training officer program so you do like 13 to 16 weeks of field training and then you're a solo patrol deputy out on the streets so that's my next goal is to get into that in like two to three years that's why I really like the sheriff's office because there's a lot of opportunities like you're I don't think you'll get bored like we have a drone unit, a helicopter unit, a canine unit, different units. Well, and I imagine there's also like the, the SWAT team stuff, but also like explosives detonation. Like, cause I know there's a, Alameda County has a bomb range. We do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have like the bomb squad, the SWAT unit, the drone unit, different units. We have, I think we have like everything we need. Yeah. We also have a contract with the airport. So our deputies work inside of the airport too. 
there's a lot of territory to cover and a lot of different types of things that you could do where I'd be like, oh, I could see how you would never get bored with the sheriff's office, especially in a place that is so diverse as Alameda County. Right. They're not in the middle of Wyoming in the sheriff's oh, office. Oh, no. Right? No, so I'm, I'm curious because I did, okay, I was thinking, you know, when we're talking about having a police officer on who's a female, I was thinking about like, oh, the, the sexism or, or the feeling of like, I'm a woman, I'm different in the academy and in your station, right? In your office. I didn't even think about the, the inmates at the jail or the people who you're stopping and stuff like that. Do you feel like people who, like your inmates, are they um, underestimating you or they think like you're not strong enough or you're weaker because you're like, do you get that sense of, because most of them, well, in the male unit, right? They're gonna be men. That's usually how it works. Do you get that sense from like the inmates at the jail? Um, that's a good point. So I've only been on for a year, so I can't really speak for like a whole lot of experience. But from my one year experience, I feel like the pros of being a female is like you're good at de-escalation and a lot of like male inmates see you as like a sister or a mother or a friend. Like I feel like they have more respect for female deputies and it kind of goes the same way for like male deputies in a female house. There's been times then when like a female inmate wouldn't listen to like the female deputies, like we would tell her to lock down and she wouldn't. But when a male deputy steps into the pod, she would go in her pod, like without any issues, no force, no nothing. And the same thing goes for like the females working in a male house. There was a time when I was working a male house and this inmate was just yelling at all the male deputies and like being super combative. And I come up and talk to him like through the door, like it wasn't open, he was inside the cell. I was like, like, dude, what's your issue? Like, what's going on? Just talk to me. Like, I was just talking in a calm voice. He's like, hey, like, you're like my sister. Like this deputy's just being really rude to me. I don't want to talk to him and stuff. So I feel like it just depends. It takes an effect on the inmates too. For the most part, they've been respectful to me. Like they listen to the females versus the males because as males, they kind of see them as, as like a competition or like right. a macho thing. So it works most of the time in my favor, but I haven't had like, there's been males that have kind of disrespected me, but you kind of right, cat calls or something like that, right? Yeah, for sure. But I just ignore it. Like I didn't pay attention because the more you respond to them, the more they keep going. So that's what I was learning is like, if you ignore them, like they'll just stop. They know you're not interested in, you're not into that. So for the most part, they usually respect the females because they're like, oh, like they're like my sister. They're like my mother. We don't want to hurt you. So it works out for mostly in our favor, like de-escalation and stuff. I mean, that's that's really great to hear. We, you know, we've talked to a lot of different people this season where, you know, women in traditionally male-dominated fields and vice versa. And we hear from, you know, we talked to a male nurse and we talked to a male flight attendant. And what we heard from both of them is that they always got more respect regardless of who they were dealing with. Female nurses would get like, people would get belligerent with them and refuse to listen. And then when the male nurse would show up, they would just be like, oh my God, they gotta do it. But also they would get harassed on the job far more than obviously than the male nurses. And the same thing with male flight attendants or this, the male flight attendant we talked to, although there was harassment there too, but sort of this like, just by being a man, people just gave him more respect and they gave him more leeway and they listened so much more. And it's so great to hear like, yeah, but in this situation, as a woman on the male, on the male side of the jail, 
people listen to me. Yeah, for sure. Because right now I work in intake area where I take over people like different agencies arrest them. I take in like new books. I only search females, like I can't search males, but like I fingerprint them or like put them in like a housing tank and stuff. And the whole process, like they're pretty compliant with me as a female and it goes opposite for like the males talking to females who come in kind of aggressive, kind of hot. So it works out in our favor for the most part. And in intake, you see a lot of different kinds of people come in, go out and stuff. So it's a pretty good experience I get in working intake housing. Yeah, well, I imagine you've learned to deal with so many different people and how to, yeah. how to like, how to talk, how to read people and how to talk to them based on like what they're, what the vibe they're giving you. Like, does this person need something more? You know, do I need to bring the tough face or can I be softer with this person? Yeah, just get to know them. Like some of them, you frequently see them come in. You're like, oh man, you're back again. They're like, yeah, I did this. I'm sorry. Like they come back and talk, but there's some like aggressive ones, you know, like they're not going to listen, like you're not going to get through to them. So there's always some last cause ones that it's not going to work. Like no matter how hard you try, whoever tries, they're just out there. They're not going to listen. You said your security levels, like if you're dealing with someone, anyone who has, let's say, murdered six people. That's not someone who's like necessarily going to be, you can't really like talk to them, right? Yeah. Or nor do you probably want to. And then you have someone who's like the lowest, you know, case. Drugs or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like someone was caught with some weed or something. Well, not anymore, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Some Coke. And then you're like, well, this person is not. As high risk. Dangerous either. Yeah. But we always try to like have me and like a different partner go with us, like at least two people. So we know we're like where we are, like we have backup and stuff. But if they're high security, like we usually make a plan of like, how are we going to get them out? Like, how are we going to talk to them? But so it just depends on situation. Every situation is different. Wow. Whew. I'm like, just imagining the, the adrenaline. Like I'm, I'm like, relax. I need to take the deep breaths. <laughs> just thinking about your job like there's so much nuance and so many things that are happening at one time and you know I you know I'm gonna go back and be like at the academy your your shoes have to be polished because that's a way of showing you have to be perfect right like you you cannot make even tiny mistakes because they have these detrimental consequences and that's the way that they show like 22 year old you, you know, or 20 year old you that like, you can't make mistakes. Everything has to be in line. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's happened. Like they've told the stories where like an inmate attacked a deputy and later they interview him. Like, why did you attack that deputy? They're like, Oh, because I see that he doesn't have all his stuff together. Like his uniform was trash. His oh. boots were polished or like they become a terrible- target. Yes. Yeah, because it just shows them that you're not ready. You don't really care about this. And you just become an easy target. If you come in polished and like good to go, like it shows you you're on your game. Like you're not gonna, you're not here to mess around. So it just proves like a point, like you're not here to mess around. So which is why I'm like, okay, it makes sense now. I'm gonna get my- That does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they can tell too, like they're there reading you all day long because they have nothing else to do. Like they say things differently to different officers and like they know how to talk to you. They see you come in and out, everything. And they know when you're happy, when you're sad, like they question you. So it's just like, they read you a lot. You gotta be careful. Sure. I can, oh yeah, I can totally see that. So where do you think 
do you want to go with this? And I don't mean like location wise. That was probably not a great way of saying the question. What's your career aspiration? Do you want to keep moving up the ranks? Are you looking to make a lateral into something else? Like right now I'm happy with the sheriff's office. Like they're treating me well. I have no issues. Like I have great mentors, great sergeants and stuff. So like I said, like in two, three years, if I get out to patrol, that would be great. Um, hopefully Dublin or like ETS area is great. And then from there, go to a detective, promote to a sergeant or a lieutenant, just stay in this field. Cause I, I can see myself doing this. Like my friend asked me like a couple of days ago, she's like, so do you think you're gonna do this for a long term or is this short term? I'm like, I don't know what else I would do. Like, I really enjoy this. <laughs> so this is like, I would just wanna like, promote through my career and just like help out my community to do stuff what I love and what I want to do. That's awesome. And then I, you know, I could see you becoming a mentor to another young girl, another young woman who is like a three-year-old. I know. (laughs) It's like, Oh, I want to be, I want to be a cop. No, but that's, you know, like, I think as women and definitely like women of color, there is this this person helped me and it that that path is not as clear for us right so if you're able to be like hey like this is the path come toward me <clears throat> we've heard that a lot with especially women in male dominated industries yeah that's happened to me and which is a great feeling knowing that i'm doing something great where other people want to like be like me i'm like oh my god like i wanted to be like someone else not someone else is saying that to me so I was actually at a salon one time and this lady asked me, she's like, were you working that parade as an officer? I was an explorer at that time. She's like, my daughter really looked up to you. You were a female and you were Indian. She wants to be like you, but her daughter wasn't there. I was like, oh my God, that's so great. Like get a, a pamphlet from the Explorer program. I can help you like fill it out and stuff for you. But just knowing that like people kind of look up to me and I'm like helping out young females know that anything is possible you set your mind to just because there's more males doesn't mean you can't do this and most of the times like the males I've been working with they're really supportive of the females like they try to help us out instead of being like oh you're on your own like you're a female like I haven't had any issues in the sheriff's office they're always like helping me out right now in my unit I'm the only female there so all the males are supportive like whenever I talk to any inmates they're always around to make sure like I'm safe or like if I have any questions I haven't gotten any like negative feedback oh you're a female like you shouldn't be doing this and stuff and the other thing is like clothes mouth closed mouths don't get fed like you got to speak up for yourself and just show yourself like you can do this so that was my biggest thing it becomes pre- crystal clear to me to doubt you anyone on your team because of their race or their sex or their background or whatever it is, right? Anything where it's like, I don't, I don't think you can do that. Or I like to give anyone any attitude or to have any doubts is actually a safety risk, right? It's not just like, I don't want to work with that person over there. And I'm going to go work with this team over here. And, and I don't want to work with that woman on my accounting team, but nobody dies. Yeah. Right. Nobody gets attacked. Nobody dies. If you don't want to work with X person on your accounting team, this is a, this is a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you- like, but like being macho or having bravado like that will get someone killed, can get someone killed. Yeah. You just got to like get, learn your partners, get used to your partners. Like know when they're not having a good day or like you hear their voice on the radio. It doesn't sound like 
they're safe. You just got to respond to that. Like, it's just, just learning about each other, just working together. It's the main thing. That's what I've learned. It's like, first it was intimidating to be like, oh, I'm like the only female in my unit. Like, how are they going to treat me? But it's been good. Like they've been supportive of me, like whatever I need, even my sergeants, like they're pretty cool. They support me. They're like, what do you want to do next? Like they let me do whatever I want to do. They're not like, oh, you stay here because you're a female. I haven't had that issue. That's really great. And, you know, like I said, like I at least expected to hear a lot more, like a lot more sort of like dismissing you because you're a woman. But as you walk, like I said, as you've walked us through your training and, and what it's like on the job, that's not something that's functional in that space. And it, that kind of attitude puts people's lives at risk. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you can't have a like, oh, I don't, I don't want to work with this person. She's a girl. She doesn't know what she's doing, blah, blah, blah. There's no choice. There's no choice. And if you are having trouble working with someone, that's a problem. It's a problem for everybody. And it's not just like, you didn't get your numbers in on time. It's like somebody got stabbed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're putting your partner at risk for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been really awesome and amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited. I, I'm like, I'm going to tell all my friends back in the Bay area, like keep an eye out for this person or don't like, don't, don't commit crimes in Alameda County. Cause I know there's a, there's a badass working in the jail. So our penultimate, the, you know, second to last question we have for you, what advice would you have for somebody who's in high school or, you know, in early college and they're looking at this as a career path and they're like, I don't, I don't know if this is right for me, what would you say to them? Or if someone is really into it and their parents are not sure if it's right for them. It's kind of like mine. (laughs) Um, I would say volunteer. Like I did get your feet wet, get to know, like, if this is really for you, because this is a big commitment. It's not like you work one day at a job or I can quit the next day. No, like there's a lot of time and effort put into this you really got to be sure if this is what you want to do because the academy's not easy. The work is not easy once you get into this. Like, it's not like you can't quit, but it's like, come on, like you did all this. You got to be sure before you get into this because you got to go in every day with your 100%. You can't just be like, oh, I just don't feel like working today. I can just be lazy. No, like you're putting yourself or your partners at risk. This is a serious job. So just volunteer, like get to know, talk to some officers, do some ride-alongs, get like experience, hands-on experience instead of just like reading about it or looking at videos and stuff, which is great. But hands-on experience really gives you the experience of knowing like, yeah, I can do this. No, I can't do this. That would be my advice. And just like, if you commit to it, like I did, like you want to do this, just tell yourself you can do this. Like there's no going back. And if a male can do it, I can do it. There's no different. And just staying on top of it, staying consistent. Like I would work out almost every day. My parents like, okay, we get it. Like we told you to work out now you can stop. (laughs) So so I just took it very seriously. And it's just like, I feel like the biggest thing in this career is like the mindset of like, I can do this. That is a big thing. You can't just like be in your head. I was kind of like that in the academy, like, oh, like I'm going to fail today, but you can't be like that. You have to go in confident like yes I can do this like there's nothing I can't do in this world like if I put my mind to it I can do this so that would mean thing is like having a strong mindset that's awesome that's awesome yeah even I can imagine that responding to what was it two four three or whatever like even responding to one of those calls on the radio you might your heart might 
flip flap or your stomach can, you know, gets nervous. And then, but on the outside, you have to run in there with like the confidence of the command presence. Yeah, yeah. Like commanding presence and being like, we're in charge here. You're the inmates. We got to, you know, settle this down. Um, so yeah, our, we've never had advice yeah. that actually can like keep people alive. So that is <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. So our last question is about familect, which as we've talked before, it is, you know, dialect with it's, it's really started with families, like dialect that's in a family, but the more we have heard you talk, your unit is your family, your team, your co-officers, your, the people who have your back. Now, not to say, sorry, auntie, uncle, you are fam, you are family. I don't want, I don't want your parents coming at me. <laughs> now they understand. Like they're definitely family, but, um, but like what it really, family life really comes down to small, intimate groups. And I heard you a couple times during, as we were talking, you, you said something. Yeah. I think you didn't even realize that we had no idea what you're talking about or referencing. You said something about like, you're going to put them in the tank. And I was like, it's probably not a real tank. No, <laughs> in any, in not, in, certainly not like a military tank, but it's also not like a, like a tank, like a water tank thing. Like that's, <laughs> none of those things. And it's are probably happening. not somewhere you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I forget, like some people don't know what I'm really talking about. No, but, but so let me just stop you. Yeah. That is family act, right? Is like, it's because it's your everyday vocabulary and jargon, right? So, you know, think of some words that you use in at work with your officers and your team yeah I feel like it's easy at work just saying it but just thinking about it I'm trying to think of some but what is the tank what's the tank let's start there so the tank is like a holding cell where we hold inmates so we call it the tank like hey he's going to the r tank the holding tank the sobering tank we have different Mm. tanks so what's the r tank Oh, it's just a name. Like, uh, so our tank is usually the site tank. I'm not sure how you call it the R tank. <laughs> okay. I thought you, at first I thought you said the art tank. And then I was like, that's probably not what it is. Someone's no. like <laughs> criminally, maybe for graffiti people. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so once they come into the intake process, we not classify them, but we put them accordingly, like what we think is the best. So like the behavioral health inmates going to BHI tank, the main line main line is usually like the inmates who get along with everyone like they have no issues so they go in the main line tank and then the site people who are getting come in spent like eight to ten hours in the jail and get a citation get out they go in a site tank and then and then a sobering tank is like for the people who come in really drunk so they can like kind of um rest up they go in a sobering cell tank so we have different tanks that like we put up accordingly so we don't have any issues in the tank people don't get along or something so that type of thing makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense it's just like you said that earlier and I was like I don't know what that is <laughs> so obviously we keep the males and the females separate I just want to clarify that we don't put male inmates and female inmates together <laughs> So we obviously have like the radio codes. We have like 1198, like come here or like, what's your 1020? What's your location? 21 me, like telephone, like call me, that type of thing. And then code four is like what we hear the most. It's like, hey, we have this issue going on, like two inmates fighting, but we're code four, which means like 
we don't need you anymore. We're good. We have it under control. Yeah. And then code three is like emergency. We need you right now and that type of thing. So code four and code three are like kind of important codes. Like if you hear code three, like everyone's going code four is like, okay, you can slow it down. Like we're good. And then like, sometimes if you're like out there, you can just like throw a four sign, which means like, Hey, I'm code four, like that type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself like slipping and using some of those words like with your parents or with your friends outside of work? I do. They definitely noticed it. They're like, okay, you're not the same. Like you definitely changed a lot. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, Uh okay, let's slow it down. (laughs) I am a police officer. I know, but they're like, not at home. Like you got to act like you're a child. Is there a word for police officers that you call each other? I mean, as the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, we're called deputies, not police officers, which is the same thing. Yeah, I've noticed you saying deputy a lot, so I wasn't sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same thing as police officers, but like I'm deputy corps, I'm not officer corps. It's the same thing, but in the sheriff's office, we refer to us as deputies. Oh, okay. What else? I can't really think of others. I'm sure there are. I just can't think of them. That's all Familex. Like that's exactly what we're talking about. But the fact that you even went a step further and you don't even have to use words, you just put up the number four and that that you know like that person it's it's the idea of like shared stories and shared history and understanding right that Mm -hmm. you just have to put up the number four and they know exactly what you're talking about and you have communicated what you what your needs are you know that's exactly what femalect is that's awesome because sometimes they're talking to inmate like other deputies might see like oh my god like they're gonna get into a fight like it's not going good but then they're like hey i'm code four like i'm fine like and they're like okay we can back off like we all don't need so to like you could still be talking to the inmate and flash a four like behind your back or on the side so the yeah. other people know like i got it under control it's just to let us know like okay you're fine we all don't need to rush up there or something right, right yeah right. wow wow i learned so much I really love these conversations where I'm like, I have no idea how this works. And I'm like, wow, to be honest, we talked to a male flight attendant and this is what I thought the flight attendant training was going to be like. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like really intense and like, and it was not like that at all. It was like, oh, I mean like, and they do like a lot of safety training. Absolutely. But I thought it'd be like a lot of like, go through this scenario and do this and do that. And it wasn't like that at all. Right. Right. No, hopefully I did a good job explaining it. Cause. Oh yeah. Oh no, you really did. It's really interesting to hear from like the real life perspective of what it's like being just an officer or deputy, you know, how that trajectory has been for you. And like, you've mentioned a couple of times, like you're so young, the, the future is like wide open, right? Like you're getting so much experience to me, scary experience. So I'm totally on your mom's side on this one, but like, I I'm excited to see where you go. So amazing to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And honestly, like the people in Alameda County are very lucky to have you and your team. They should be able to rest a little bit easier knowing that you're, you're on the case. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like my job. I like the people I work with. It's been great. Awesome. Wonderful. We're excited to see what you do. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, have a great night. You too.